Hello, and welcome to Dopey, the podcast about drugs, addiction, and dumb shit, and I'm Dave. I'm Chris. And um, we have not recorded in a long time. The longest time, and this is going to be the closest thing to a live broadcast that we've ever done. Explain. Well, we're recording right now, and as soon as we're done, we're going to put it up uh, for you guys to be able to hear it. And uh, generally, it's usually at least a week delay, usually several weeks. Um, and this is because it's Saturday or Sunday night, and we usually release on Saturday night. So we're a day late, and none of the Dopey Nation has cared. They cared last week. Yeah. We were like six hours late. Nobody said anything. Yeah. What, do you, what do you suppose that means? Nobody cares anymore. You think we're that's losing, what it means? We're losing steam. We're losing our audience? We're losing our audience. Dopey Nation, if, you, if you're losing interest, write us a review telling us that. Yeah, please do But that. give us five stars on the review. Yeah. We need a five-star review saying that uh, we're losing interest. Or you're losing interest. Cinco Estrellas. Listen, but this is a unique opportunity, actually. I didn't consider this before. Because we're releasing this episode today, we could talk about a current event, and it would be current. Like, just now, the Knicks lost a heartbreak in triple overtime just now yeah but we just got an email and somebody said that they hated the current event segment we used to do well so what who said that somebody i don't know you don't remember who it was no me neither we've been getting a lot of emails who said it we got like 20 emails this week probably no we didn't we got like five (laughs) no we got like probably like 10 i think we got five um who said they didn't it was an english person a lot of good English. Do you see how the English downloads are growing a lot? Yeah, England. We're getting big in the UK. I think England, Ireland, too. We had none in Ireland. Now we have like five or 600 downloads in Ireland. But I think England is as big as Canada and Australia. We're hurting in China. Nobody gives a shit in China. Thanks. I noticed we have like 100 uh, downloads in Taiwan. Really? It's because there was a guy I went to rehab with who lives in Taiwan. So how's, our, him. how's our Russian? Um, Not good. My friend started Russian's listening like in Russia. Two, one or 200 in Russia. Anyway. Uh, we're not going to talk about current events because we don't really pay attention to them. But we are going to talk. Should we do the Artie story? Should we kick it right off with that? You're not. You're not interested in, in the state of the nation, fundamentalist no. Islam, people not <laughs> being know allowed. No, I could care less. Do you really not care? We were. It's funny. We were talking about it in school. We were talking about like uh, Trump and stuff like that. And obviously, I'm going to school to be a psychologist, so everybody's extremely liberal, and I'm technically a liberal too. Um, but people are fucking fired up and getting pissed about it, you know? And they just kind of talk in the school like basically there isn't even a Republican. And they'll kind of throw in a thing like we know everyone has different political views, but – and then they'll say it's like extremely liberal stuff. So everyone's like on a tirade like kind of talking about all the fucked up stuff that's going on. And it gets to me and we're kind of like going around and I said that uh, – I'm more concerned with the micro issues. <laughs> like what? <laughs> like the people I meet on a daily basis. Like basically if somebody was suffering and helping them, I was like, I don't care. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, I was like, let me be clear. I voted for Hillary, but uh, I'm more concerned. I'm more concerned with my Tinder profile and <laughs> who's responding to Dopey at the moment than, um, than bigger highfalutin issues. The thing that I find fascinating in terms of the political world is that my Facebook is like 99.9% Democratic liberal. Yeah. So like I don't – but also my I have ears – some um, Republican friends that post stuff. But is anyone like, thank God he's building a $15 billion wall? No, but just defending him and stuff. I definitely have a few people that do that. And it's always kind of like these like knuckleheads, you know? 
Well, it's a whole mess. But the real question anyway, is... Anyway, sorry if anybody who supports Trump. To be honest, like, I don't really care if you support We haven't Trump. said that's, anything. That's fine. I just feel like I don't want to alienate any listeners because he does I respect tell me, all people. And, oh, uh, oh, my God. <laughs> it's amazing that you live with yourself on a minute-to-minute basis. Um, well, the thing, though, the real question... Well, there's a couple of questions. First of all, do you think a wall in Mexico will prevent the northern flow of good drugs from South America to California and Texas? Oh, I didn't think about it in terms of narcotics trafficking. Yeah. Let's just get to the him with the dopey, Chris. There's no fucking way they can control it. Do you think people will just throw tennis balls full of heroin (laughs) over the wall? (laughs) Hey, Juan! Catch this one! Yeah. There's just no way they can control it. So you're saying this wall will not impact the price of meth or heroin in California? Oh, it might, but I mean just the level of intoxication, I'm not, not substance-specific, will never change ever in the, in the history of the world unless there's some crazy medical scientific breakthrough. People are going to get high somehow, some way, on something. And yeah, it might change sort of the face of like drug trade or you know the prices you're talking about, but like... You know, you can't contain this problem. It's like... Can I ask you a personal question? Huh. Um, do you miss getting high? Um, no, not really. You know what's funny? I had some bad shit happen recently, which we are not going to get into because you know what it is. And I'm steering clear of that for the I don't even I, know. Why, why would you deprive the name? Why would you mention it and, and deprive them? But anyways, I had some bad shit happen. And, and it's funny. I, was, I would never even say this. To, I mean, I'll say it to you in private. But most people, I would never say it because, like, it might come off the wrong way, you know? But my immediate reaction when this bad stuff happened was, I, I remember the first two things I thought was, like, oh, like, I should just kill myself. And then like really, that was the that was a thought. Yeah, but it wasn't like you know what I mean. It just was like it wasn't like I'm going to kill myself. But that was like the first thought. And then it was like because I just hated the feelings I had. I just wanted to not feel them so much. But then I had this other epiphany that was like, holy shit! Like when I've gotten to this place, which I haven't been in this place, and I don't even know since before I got sober. When I get to this place where I just want to run from my, my feeling state, it was always immediately gratified. No, it was always immediately go to drugs. Right, yeah, and, and, and all of that would change yeah, but, in the instant. But I'm saying even when I was sober and, you know, and something would rock me a little bit or abstinent in, the, in these last periods over the last, you know, whatever, 15 years, um, if I had been clean for like a few months and something bad happened, I would think, oh, I need to get high, and then I wouldn't. But it actually showed me that I progressed in my recovery to a point where my baseline instinct isn't like reach for a drug to treat it. It's I want to kill myself. <laughs> I don't know if that's better, but you know what I'm saying though? Like it was, uh, I was like, wow, it's I've grown. Definite, I've well, grown. It's, it's definite growth, yeah. you know, and it's, and it's like really big growth. You know yeah. what I mean? Like uh, for me too, like there's a million things like that where I, I think about, wow, getting high really could solve this problem. You know what I mean? Like that's the thought in my mind is this, like I'll be at work, and I'm so tired of working and I'll be at work and I'll be like, what did I used to? It's like, you remember when I used to talk about like when we're old and oh, like, yeah, dude, this is the best. I love it. And like, explain it to them. Well, when Dave said this to me, I don't, was it when we first met? I think, I, it was no, it was, no, no, I think it was, it was after we left rehab and we were like talking on the phone. I think we've talked about it on dopey. We have. Explain it. Explain you do do it. I like it when you talk about it. Well, Dave was just saying to me how like, he's like, you know, he's like. Imagine when, like, we're, like, 80, 90 years old, you know, 
been clean for like 40 years or 50 years and um, you're in like palliative end of life care, you know, where they basically give you opioids <laughs> to make you feel better. And he's like, and they're just going to fire up some Demerol and it's all going to come crashing back. <laughs> and you're going to be like, I remember how this feels. <laughs> I was a horrible junkie. <laughs> yeah. But, but so like, so it's sort of like that when I feel bad, I'm, I, I'm like, wait a second. I used to shoot heroin. Because I felt bad. Or if I felt bad, I knew that I could relieve the situation with drugs. I could get benzos and this feeling could go away. Now, I I don't say this to like push myself up or to lie or whatever. I don't feel like there's no instinct now to use. It's just amazing that for both of us, that was our number one out in yeah. a situation like this. And through like recovery, hard work, you know, maturity, whatever you want to call it. It's like that is not the solution. It's not. Like we're finding solutions that are actually solutions. Totally. But the problem is with this thing that was bothering me, I threw myself into doing stuff and it was like very isolative stuff where I was going to yoga, exercising, like every day, both. But you weren't really – you were not really doing stuff because you were on your phone. You were in the fucking obsession. And you so, were not in the solution. But the only thing that's really helped it is talking to people like you or talking to other people. How about meetings? Are meetings helping at all? I haven't been going enough. But yeah, meetings can be helpful too. If I fucking stick around, if I check in and check out, if I show up, sit in the back, look on my phone and then leave right when it's over, like that's, I might as well not even go. If I turn to the guy no. next to me and say, hey, what's your name? It's like, better to go. It's better to go. And it's just, it sets up, I find that like I've been having these problems like in my home life, like, you know, we, we've, I've been having like fights and stuff yeah. and I find that. When I go to a meeting, it really works as like a ventilation system to me. Yeah. Like I listen and then almost I'm all like, wait a sec, maybe it's my fault. You know, maybe I could change how I'm acting and make this thing a little bit better. Yeah. You know, I leave every meeting like relieved. Like I feel vented. You know, like I feel like clean air has passed through me and taken a lot of the bad air out of me. But you your meeting style is you go in and you dump. You vent. That's why you feel that way. When you share, no, you, you I, get no, it no, out no, there. no. But but I but the last meeting I didn't share. I haven't been sharing because I, I sometimes I don't get called on. Sometimes I, I never will share in the first thirty minutes of a meeting. Yeah, never. You know why? Why? Because I don't want to feel stupid for the next forty minutes and obsess about what I just said. Oh yeah, because you can't even hear the meeting. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll do the same thing though. It doesn't matter when you share. Then you think about what you're going to say. <laughs> no, I think well maybe I'll say this, but I listen. And I'm chilling, and I listen, and it's like very laissez-faire, yeah. easy time. After I share, I'm like, oh, I wonder what they thought about what I just shared. That's I why wonder, I don't share. I, I, I don't share because I can't get away from that. Right. But if that's why I share 40 minutes in, so it's only 15 minutes of that, so I get the majority of the meeting to be listening. But what are we going to do right now with this podcast because – this is very recovery oriented and we have people who are getting high and are listening and we need to hit them with the dope. Well, do you know what Louis CK's solution was when I saw and him? Sorry to everybody who's like, you know, you tune in for the debauchery. I What's mean, we're preaching and we're preaching right now. Listen, Should we be preaching? We're not preaching. We're talking about <laughs> solutions to our problems. Dopey is not a rec- it, it dopey is just us talking into a microphone. You know, and whatever comes, it comes. Yeah. And if it's no good, it's no good. The next one might be better. Yeah. We're a few minutes in. I can't even see how many minutes in. I can't. Don't be paranoid. Okay. Um, but I went to see Louis C.K. 
And um, I'm supposed to see him uh, in, in February. His solution to all these problems is, why don't you just kill yourself? Because <laughs> if you kill yourself, you won't have any problems. <laughs> he's like, he's like, if you're scared of ISIS, kill yourself. If everybody that was scared of ISIS killed themselves, then ISIS would have no power. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's very good. That is pretty good. He's very good. Um, so you mentioned Louis C.K. and stuff. I think we tell him about Artie, what happened. I love the story. Uh, you're, you're worried about me fucking... Chris, okay, we're setting up to do the episode. Chris is like, Dave, um, I need this space to be really organized. I, I have a chocolate bar in front of me, but it's in the wrapper. And Chris is like... Listen, when you open up the chocolate, the crinkling is really destructive. So I'm going to undo the treat for you so you can be like a little cat. That's, that's what he said. You can be like a little cat. Yeah. And here's your little treat. Yeah. And then we're, we start going and then he takes his can of Diet Coke and yeah. But I guess that sounds better than the annoying crinkling. Yeah, and that's just a one-time thing. And so. it's exciting. It's, it's like, exciting. Because it's so cool. Oh, I didn't say it. We're in uh, Southampton in uh, the luxurious country house kicking it. I got a delicious sandwich. Broccoli Rob. Fresh mozzarella grilled chicken. I had the same sandwich last night from the same place. I was here by myself. I thought it was uh, very coincidental. That lonely Dave days, lonely nights. All right, so anyways, listen to this shit, Where would I be dude. without we gotta, my woman? We got to tell them. It's just a song. You don't, don't read into it. Yeah, I'm reading into it. It's just a song, man. It's just a song. <laughs> yeah. Tell, okay, Should but, I share what it was bothering me a little bit about it or no? It's up to you. I, I think you can share about it because it's like you can be fucking pent up or you can let it out, my brother. All right. So I, I just been obsessing over this chick and it's been driving me fucking nuts. And it's not something that's happened in a long, long time in my life. And that's what was bothering me that I mentioned before. Um, but I just want to say that and we'll, we'll close it with that because I don't want to delve into it anymore because it's um, – Right. Chris is used to having these chicks just fall at his feet. And this one is, is has – it's been a different, a, a dog of a different color, we shall say. <laughs> anyway, I, I want to transition into this. So the other night, uh, I left work, and I'm walking home uh, to my dad's, and I call Chris, and I'm like, Chris, what are you doing? He's like, nothing, because he's still in this place, this this bad woman place. Are we doing last Friday? Yeah. No, you called me. I tried to go to an AA meeting that Friday night, and I... Um it was standing room only, but not even like bad standing room. You know what I mean? It was like you were standing in front of people standing and it was like awkward. So I didn't go in. I just left and I'm walking through Boston Common and then I talked to Dave. Finish that verse. I talked to Dave um, and I'm on speakerphone. I have my earphones in. I'm on speakerphone talking to Dave. When you have your speakerphone earphone, are you listening on headphones and talking into the no, phone? No, no. You are You talking. have a microphone. No, no, Are you no. holding the phone? I'm holding mouth? the phone. I, that's so fucking <laughs> bullshit. Why do you have that kind? I know. I look like such an idiot, don't well, I? But the, it, well, because I listen to music with my Apple earbuds. But they have a billion products. I'm not going to buy something. Why? You buy tons of shit. I just... You're um, an idiot talking into your phone. I feel like a goober <laughs> walking around like that. <laughs> it's just so funny. It's like a, you're like a Star Trek guy. You're yeah, like, kind of. Captain. <laughs> you know, like... Okay, so fucking I, uh, Dave calls me or I called him. I don't remember. And I'm in Boston Common. So you're walking around with the phone up to your mouth like yeah. that. Yeah. And I'm, I'm in Boston. On headphones. On headphones. And I'm in Boston Common and I'm probably venting to Dave about my bullshit. 
And um, so we started talking about Dopey. And to our regular listeners, um, we really want to get Artie Lang on the show. He's our number one guest. We've been talking about him for 20 episodes at random intervals. And um, I saw him once outside a comedy <laughs> cellar, gave him a card. But um, we haven't been able to get a line to him. We've even had a few people. What's up, Billy Baru, <coughs> a.k.a. Randy, who helped uh, – track down Artie for us a little bit. But, but Randy didn't. Randy he, just said he, he saw him and he didn't talk to him. Which Randy. was cool. Which was cool. Though. What's was, cool about it? It's still cool that there was a sighting and he, he, next time he sees him he'll probably say something. Probably. Um, so anyways, but... Chris actually people, had gotten his picture taken with Artie. Yeah, once. And uh, that's a whole other story. But let's Which we told. This, which we told. So anyways, uh, we really want to get this guy Artie laying on for people just tuning in. And uh, I'm talking to Dave walking through Boston Common. I'm like... You know, I'm like, I think Artie uh, is actually playing at the Wilbur Theater in Boston tonight. And I was like, you know, that's like a five-minute walk from Boston Common. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to walk over there. So I go walk over. I'm talking to Dave the whole time on the phone. I walk over to the Wilbur Theater, and there's just like hundreds and hundreds of people leaving. And I grab some dude, and I'm like, hey, like, what's going on? And they're like, oh, Artie Lang just finished. I'm like, oh, and it was literally right when I walked up there. I've been standing outside the theater for no time at all, 20 seconds, you know? And I see an alley... And it's this dark little alley. And I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to walk down that alley. So I walk down that alley and I see a sign that says uh, stage door. And I'm like, oh, like, you know, maybe you already would leave this door. And I'm, and, uh, I'm standing there and then I see the taillights of an Uber and like a bunch of big uh, black dudes getting in a car and this one really old white dude. I'm like, He's not dude. really old. He looks fucking old. Does he? <laughs> he looks old, yeah. And I was like, I think that's Artie. So I yell out Artie. And he's like, wait, he's like, come here. And he waves me over to his car and he is getting into his car. I'm still on. Why do you suppose he waved you over? I, he waved me over sort of like, come here, like I'm leaving. And I think he was nervous that it might've been a group of fucking people, but it was just me. There was fucking literally 20 feet down this alley. There was hundreds of people that would have mobbed him. I was the only person there. And, uh, I didn't even go to the fucking show. He probably thought I was some crazy fan that was at the show and like, you know, waiting to see him or something like that. More like some loser fan some loser. who was by himself <laughs> at the show and wanted to talk to him afterwards. Yeah. So he weighs me over. I'm still on speaker with Dave. And to be totally honest, I wasn't as excited about Artie as about just the fact that this happened and you were on the phone with me. Cause it was just so unbelievable that this could even possibly happen. Okay. So Chris is in the alley. And you take is, over from here. Well, I'm going to do my best. Yeah. Chris is in the alley. Artie calls him over. And Chris is like, Chris, like, does the thing to a famous person that you just <laughs> that don't do. That I always do. Chris plays Mark David Chapman to Artie's John Lennon. And he says, Mr. Lang, I have something for you. <laughs> I think that's exactly what I said. You said that. I think I said, Artie, I you got said, something for you. Said, you said, Artie. I have something for you. And I'm sure Chris has got a pistol in his pocket. He's, the whole thing is going to go downhill. Yeah. And, and, and and what happened? You gave him the card? I gave him a card. And then I was like, and I have someone you want to talk to. Because you know to. that's what Mark David Chapman did to John Lennon. He said, I have he something says, for him. He says, Mr. Lennon, I have something for you. And then he shoots him like five times. Oh. And Artie knows about assassinations. And I'm sure Artie's very paranoid. Yeah. So what did you do? You gave him the card? So then I gave him the card and I said, and I have someone that... You should talk to. He's your biggest fan. And I gave him the phone, and I took my earphones out, and you you said something. You that's said, when it gets ugly. Yeah. Then, then you uh, said, then, this is what happened. Chris Chris says, "I have someone to. I have something for you." And then this guy is your biggest fan. We played it so bad. And I said, "I said hello," and he said, "Yeah, this is Artie." And I said, 
I love you. And, <laughs> Did you say that? Yeah. <laughs> and he said, Dave, I love you too. And I said, How do you know your name is Dave? Because you said, I said, my name's Dave. Oh. I love you. And he said, um, Dave, I love you too. And, uh, and then you said, and then I said, Have Are you, you heard of Dopey? You are you that, aware right? of Dopey Podcast? He said, Huh? I said, It's the podcast about drugs, addiction, and dumb shit. Uh, we've, we talk about you sometimes. He goes, no, nah, I gotta get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta get out of here. Yeah, and then fucking, so he says, you gotta get out of there. And Maybe the, he's heard about Dopey, said, and he's worried about our popularity rising. He's like, fucking Dopey, here in the alley? You mean we're competing with Artie Quitter? Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. So fucking, um, I tell him then, Artie, you're our white whale. Ugh. And he said... <laughs> You're, you're a man who struggles with his weight. You call him our white whale. He said, all right, Ahab. Immediately. He's very smart. You know, he picked up immediately on the reference. He said, all right, Ahab. And so I'd given him a card, and he's closing the door, and you know what I did? Yes, I do. I, th- <laughs> I was panicking. I was like, this didn't go nearly as well as I wanted it to do. So I throw another bi- – and we have very hardy stock business cards. I throw another business card at Artie's chest. I'm sure he's like, sure, it's a throwing star. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure his days are numbered. A shuriken. And it fluttered and landed at his feet. It didn't hit his chest. And then according so to Chris, cards. according to Chris, Artie then slumped over, reached for the dopey card at the bottom of the, uh, the, of the car and looked at it and said to the black guy in the back – have you ever heard of Dopey Podcast? <laughs> That's not what I said. What did you say? He Well, no. He drove away, and then as he was driving away, um, I was already on the sidewalk, and I looked. I did see him looking at it. So that was our Artie site. And it was very surreal and coincidental. Then I tweeted I about it. it up. It's very boring. Then I tw- Why is it boring? I don't know. Wow, you're feeling it. What? Chris is going through something, guys. He's yeah. tight. He's nervous. He's he's I can feel it in my chest. And yeah, my he's shoulders. all tight. He's he's not. He's lost a lot of weight. He's always in the gym. Don't reject me. You're always in the gym. <laughs> I know. I'm one eighty. Whenever I text one, him, one eighty seven. Whenever I text him, he's like at the gym, going to yoga, depressed. Well, I, well, I'm happy though. I mean, I, I really wanted to get back into yoga as just something in my life. I've been meaning to do that, so that's been like a good thing for me but it's not this magical practice it used to be like so magical now it's just like a fucking thing right stretching yeah i I went to i keep if i keep with it i think it's gonna level me out a little bit i went to a comedy show last night um in in bohemia is any good well hold on hold on do you you think that yoga what is yoga what's the positive i promised myself that instead of ignoring what you say and saying something else i'm going to listen to you so is yoga helping you (laughs) Uh, yeah, I think it is. And I think a lot of times the positive effects, people around you notice them before you notice them yourself. Well, I don't notice any. You're miserable. <laughs> you look thin. Things I'm worried though, about right? you. No, you look good. I'm, I'm, I am worried about you because I think Chris... I'm getting there, dude. We'll say, I've, been, I've been doing a little resistance training, which I don't do. Chris is Curling in, 45s again. Chris is in a very lonely space. <laughs> They don't get the reference. No, but you're, you're inside jokes now. You're in a lonely space. <laughs> you are, yeah. and, and I think if you're in Boston and you're interested in a, a, a very attractive, you wealthy, said this last. Yeah, but if you're in Boston and you're interested in a very attractive, wealthy young man, like you should, you know, write us an email. Let's Dopey. just be clear. My net worth is uh, in the four figures. Is it? Yes. So I'm not very wealthy. You have money like that. <laughs> you know what four figures is, right? What do you have? That's a thousand dollars. Oh, I think five figures. <laughs> five figures is over ten. Really? Yeah, I don't have anything, but I mean, I live second on the family tit. Anyway, the point is that Chris is a wonderful guy. 
He's got a lot of good things going for him. But that's not my point. Yeah. My, my point is that you should be reaching out to the social network at your school. That young woman who said, what do you do when we all go to lunch and hang out and talk? You're like, I go to a restaurant by myself and think. <laughs> uh, I don't think either. You, listen, man. Go hang out with some people. Yeah. Have some fun. Yeah. You know? I'm just like every three weeks I go back to Great Barrington. That's where I recharge. It's not enough. The source <laughs> is like, you need to re, you need to find your source. The source. You know what's funny? When I relapsed in New York I City. I know. That's why I said oh, called it the okay. source. But tell them. Right. Tell but them. When I relapsed in New York City, um, I was like always trying to hide it. And then finally, like it kind of came out I was using. So it was like 10 o'clock in the morning. I went and saw this doctor. I was trying to convince the doctor at the outpatient that I worked at that I had this like the H1N1 or something. I always go on the H1N1 or the flu or whatever the fuck it was around then. And so he sent me this internist. It was a fucking thousand dollars to see this guy for an hour. And I paid out of pocket a grand to see this guy just to basically to convince the doctor I wasn't using. And I went in and I like fucking broke down told this doctor I'm getting high. And he's basically like, I don't know anything about that. He was like, I'd refer you to the doctor that referred you to me. Um, so anyways, I leave there and for some Why reason, did you tell this doctor that? I don't, I just like, it just came out finally, you know, he took so much blood though. So wait, why did you go see this doctor? I saw this doctor because I wanted to convince the doctor that I worked for that I wasn't using because they were starting to notice shit about me. So you wanted him to tell the doctor that he you told, had the And he flu. told me, he's like, I'll tell him whatever you want me to tell him. He basically was like, I'll do that. Give me a thousand dollars and I'll say whatever <laughs> yeah, you want. Basically. He's supposed to be some amazing doctor. So anyways, I pay a grand to this fucking dude for nothing and well, I, no, something real happened. You confessed the deal, yeah. and, he, and you fucking... He's actually a very talented doctor, I guess. if you think yeah. about it. Well, he didn't say anything. He just came in, and I was just like, blah. I'm goodness. telling you, he doesn't make no the big money for no reason. It actually played exactly the way you needed it, it needed to. to. Yeah, but you want to know what happened after I left the doctor's office? I'm going to hit him with the dopey right now. Thank God. I, I went outside. I uh, went to a liquor store. It's like 10 a.m., right? I bought a pint of Smirnoff. Uh, at the liquor store, after I bought it, I took one side step to the right of the register. I opened the pint and I drank the entire pint in front of the liquor store owner with him watching me. And he looked in my eyes and he said nothing to me because he knew I needed it. And then what? And then I left. I got in a cab. I went back to the sober living I was managing. I, I went into my room. I took two double stack ecstasy and dropped five hits of acid. And then I sat in my room and it started to kick in and I was like, fuck, like, this is not good. Like I was like, it was more, it was just, I was so far. I was like, I can't control this. This is bad. Like ego. I was like, this is my ego might dissolve and I'll be a different person. So I got in a cab. I went to my girlfriend's place where I had the key. I went in there uh, and then I called my sponsor and said, my old sponsor, who's my current sponsor now. And I was like, I think I need to go back to the source. And that's what he's talking about. The source I don't think you I told sober. this story. I think I did, but I think it was probably mashed up in different pieces. I didn't tell the direct line. Yeah. I think that there's hundreds of listeners going, Chris, 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 Chris. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, I, I sweat so much that night. I took it, the ecstasies I got. It was off Silk Road, and they were like, it was literally like take a half of these ecstasies and I took two and I don't wasn't like ever rolling and then all that acid and I just remember sweating and sweating and sweating I'm sure you were in a very 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 lonely space that <laughs> night um I think that um I think that's a great story I love just the, the my favorite part of that story is 
the bond I had between the proprietor of the liquor store. And because I just, I, I remember looking him in the eyes and he looked at me. And, and he knew was, you were coming And from. it was, it was just like. It was an understanding. Yeah. He was just like, all right, like, you know. You need oblivion. No verb, nothing. After the transaction, no speaking. And it was just like, I'm going to drink this. Do you know that liquor store owner? No. Maybe he was a mute. Maybe no, somebody cut it. Spoken. Maybe had, someone had, cut his tongue no, out years before. we had spoken during the transaction, you know. And? And was, I was like, how much? He's like, what do you, what like, he's like, how are you tonight? And you were like, give me the bottle. It wasn't even, dude, it was like, um, it was like 30th and 5th. It wasn't in like a shitty area. In like, Manhattan? Yeah. So it wasn't Where like is a, there a liquor store on 30th and somewhere. 5th? Somewhere. There's a liquor store every two feet. Not on 30th and 5th. It was around there somewhere. It was near right. the Empire State Building. So you slugged down, and that was the last time you got high? Uh, that was then my, my mother and sister drove out that night and I didn't even know my girlfriend called my family and they picked me up and took me to detox. And, and that was the last time? No. And then I ran away from detox. I got to, I got to detox. I ran away from detox. I shot heroin and smoked crack for a day. Then I went home I went back to detox. Um, and then I went back to New York city and then I started using again. And then I went out to great Barrington and I thought I was going to stop. And then, uh, I ended up getting uh colin and ted call the cops on me it's just literally in two months i had five inter i during a couple years of sobriety no interactions with police and in five months i mean in two months i had like five interactions with the police i spent a couple nights in jail like just really bad shit what was the last using before the last time you got the very last time but before this sobriety period yeah it was um I went over to this guy's Todd's house. <laughs> this guy I used to work with, and I showed up. I was like driving around. I hadn't seen him in years, and I like texted him. He's like, "Come over," and I showed up. Did the same thing. I started just chugging, 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 vodging, vodging, vodka in front of him, and then smoking weed. He's like, "What the fuck is going on?" He was sort of like, "What are you doing?" We were gonna have like a few beers, and then I just like whipped out my drug kit and like. Um, and then I blacked out. But your I, drug kit just had vodka and weed in it, and, and LSD, and then like paraphernalia and uh so i got fucked up uh i blacked out i came to and i was covered in vomit he was there his wife was there and i was with a police officer and uh and that's when i came out like so seeing the police officer brought me out of it and i guess what happened is he said i blacked out i started slapping the table and getting aggressive <laughs> at his house and he told me let's go to the grocery store and he said, I wanted to drive. And he's like, you're not going to drive, but like, I'll, I'll drive your car. And so I went out and sat in my car and he said he didn't know what to do with me. And he was kind of nervous, like being around me. And so he said, he just stayed in the house. And he said, I just sat in my car for like five hours. And he said, and uh, I completely destroyed my car. I vomited it all over. It's still my buttons on my radio get stuck. So there's vomit like stuck in them. And, Old uh, vomit. And I, I literally structurally ripped apart. I had all my stuff because I was moving from New York back to Great Barrington. I literally ripped the drawers. Like I had these plastic drawers from Target. They were literally like ripped to pieces. I, it looked like a fucking like – Animal was in the car. Yeah. And so um, he said he thought I was going to freeze to death after like five hours of me just sitting in the car by myself. And he got really nervous and his wife had come home and they were like – he's like, I don't want to interact with them. You know? And this guy's a pretty cool dude and – so they call. Where him. does he live? He lives in Pittsfield. How do you know him? I worked at uh, the needle factory with him like several years ago, and so he was like, "I don't want to." He was nervous to talk to but me. But how well did he know you? He just knew me from the needle factory. He'd never hung out except for the needle <laughs> factory. <laughs> so fucking. So his wife said, "You just call the cops." So they call the cops, and then um, 
I get out of my car and I'm talking to the police and he comes out and the cops, I guess I was, as soon as I saw the police, I got like very reasonable. And that's the first thing I remember was seeing the police. I don't remember any of this stuff. Have you car. spoken to this guy again? Yeah. I okay. texted him a little bit. And so then he brings me in, uh, gives me some clean clothes. I shower, I fall asleep in his basement and I wake up the next day and I was like, what happened? And I have a billion text messages too. Cause I was supposed to, everybody's like, I just disappeared, you know? And uh, I was like, what happened? And, um, he was like, you know exactly what happened. He's like, you've done this a thousand times before. Um, so we fucking, uh, I just left his place, um, immediately started drinking again. I drank the entire day. Uh, in the car? Yeah, just driving around drinking. And then I went back to, I was staying with Ted and Colin, who's a couple friends that I lived with and got sober with originally. And I showed up there drunk um, and out of my mind, and they didn't know what to do. Um, so they uh, they called my grand sponsor who said call the cops and the cops came um, they took me to um, I haven't told this story huh they took me to fucking jail just the drunk tank they didn't charge me and I woke up the next day uh, I came, woke up the next day in jail and I was like um, we're going to uh, I might have said this on Dopey I call my one friend who'll pick me up who's not going to be like, dude, you got to do something. And like he calls, he picks me up from jail. I had rented an apartment out there and there was nothing in it. There was literally, I just had the key. Did I tell you this story? I thought you had a TV in it. I had a TV in it, but um, it was on the floor and there was no cable. And the only thing I got was like a very snowed out shopper's guy channel. So uh, my friend, it's snowed a lot. He takes me to my apartment and uh, I just have this, t- this TV on the floor and nothing in the key to the place because I haven't moved anything in there. And I'm like, dude, you got something I can fucking read while I'm in this apartment because, like, I, there's nothing in there. You know, I got nothing to do and I'm just going to be here all day, you know. And I couldn't even, like, walk to a store. It snowed so much, you know. And, and uh, you had nothing to use. And I had nothing to use, nothing. And uh, my car was in a different town at this point. And um, he was like, I got a book in the back. And I and I'm, he's like, you can read. So I, he, he lets me out of the car and I go in the back to get the book. And the book is called Facing Addiction. <laughs> Did you read it? No. I took it. And I was like, oh, what the fuck? And then later on, Ted and Colin took me out to eat. And uh, they're like, you got to go to rehab. And I had been fighting going to rehab for the last like few months. And I just was like, all right, I'll go. Um, and I guess if I had said no, they were going to section me. In Massachusetts, you can get forced to go into treatment like – they can make treatment like you go to like in custody treatment. Your your family, your people can sign. The funniest you thing is that I bet if like you had cable, you it wouldn't have happened that way. <laughs> if you had just had cable, you My probably would have stayed home. Yeah, you probably would have stayed home. If, if like you could have gotten, you know, it's just so funny how things work. But um, oh fuck, we got a phone call. Yeah, we All have right. um a big time guest, a repeat guest coming yeah. on the show. His name is Joe. I can say his last name, right? Yeah. Joe Shrank. Why don't you vet him for the audience real quick? Um, should I explain what his project is? Or well, first vet him. Like, explain who he is to the Oh, audience. okay. Yeah. So Joe, Joe was a guy I worked for. Um, actually, when that whole um, sober living managing thing happened. It was his house. It was, yeah. It was, he was involved with it. And, um, it was one it was of the houses house. he yeah, owned. Was, yeah. Was, and uh, he's an amazing guy, uh, really good friends with him. But anyways, he has really outside-of-the-box ideas like, for instance, at his sober living house, he hired – he bought a narcotics detection dog. So the house dog was actually a narcotics detection dog. He founded the website The Fix many years ago, which some of you might be um, familiar with. And he's just an amazing guy. He will fucking take his 
shirt off and throw it over a puddle for uh, an attic. So he's, he's a good person. On the same note, he um, is extremely controversial. He uh, can shoot from the hip with a shotgun. I heard that description of him once. Um, you don't want to cross him. But um, I'm really good friends with him. He's a great guy. And uh, let's get him on the line because he just opened up a rehab. There's been... Let him him tell the story. I'll just set it up without saying it. There's a a little bit of scuttlebutt about it. Um, But he's been refusing to do a piece on it unless it's picked up by, like, New York Times, L.A. Times, The Guardian, a major news outlet. It's been in L.A. Weekly, a few other places. But he's refused to comment. And he's agreed... To come on Dopey and give us the exclusive. So how about that? This is the Dopey exclusive of the year. And I'm just going to say this project he's doing, uh, I have an open mind, but um, we'll see what you guys think of it. We'll it's very controversial. Goes. Yes. All right. So let's hopefully he answers. <clears throat> Hello. What's up, man? How you doing? I'm good. Are we are we on? We're on, Joe. How are you doing, man? Hey, how are you? Good. How's it going? We're chilling. So, Joe, I just wanted to let you know we've been recording for a little bit, and um, uh-huh. I uh, brought the Dopey Nation up to speed about who you are, how I know you, uh-huh. and okay. uh, I, I mentioned that you have this project that you're doing. It's a little controversial. Um, yeah, but, but that's it. But that's it. So they don't know anything. So you're on the spot. Go. Just let it rip. So here's the the project is um, cannabis inclusive treatment rehab. It's called high sobriety. No, I'm not kidding. <laughs> um, and I think that there's, you know, sort of born out of the idea that how many people fall through the cracks of abstinence based treatment and have been to rehab 10 times. And, you know, that. Better is better. So people who improve is better. And so I'm all, you know, I'm a, I'm a harm reduction advocate, and this is the first rehab of its kind to just unapologetically practice harm reduction. Joe, let me just dumb it down for the Dopey Nation for a second, okay? Sure. Dopey Nation, this is a rehab where you can go and smoke weed. Um, can you take bong hits there, Joe? Well... Yes, you can. But they, they have three footers or just like one foot? No, 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 no. It's a little more complicated than that. Protocol for using uh, marijuana is medicalized. So in other words, you have to talk to the doctor. The doctor has to write a prescription. You talk about various forms, whether it's vape, whether it's um, edibles. But we're not. I'm not opposed to burn flower. I feel like if you've been shooting dope and you get that down to a bong hit at the end of the day, then that's tremendous progress, and we'll take that. And I'm not so, saying yes. this lightly, but if I had, if I still had a heroin prod, prod problem and I needed to go to rehab, and everyone was on board with me smoking weed, I would go to your rehab. But I would want like a two <laughs> yeah. foot bong with ice, and I would want like that fucking that OG Kush or the purple, purple, purple bud. And, uh-huh. and I would want to just take the straight one hit and burn the whole thing down and clear it. That's what I would want well, my so Dave, you cannabis realize, inclusive. you got to realize, Dave, uh, Joe and I were never really big weed enthusiasts, so you're kind of speaking a different language to us. 
I'm just saying I, I like that I'm really. Not, I mean, you, you know, that's sort of the thing is that I'm not a weed pusher. I don't like it. I'm not going to start smoking it. I haven't had a drink or drug in 20 years. That's not going to change. But having done this as long as I've done this, there's a massive amount of people who don't make it in that framework. Right. And if what you're going to end up doing is smoking pot and working at Guitar Center, that's way better than dropping dead. I think the um, what I've been surprised about Dave, is that what you're describing is what I thought we were going to get in terms of people wanting to come in. That's not what we've gotten. What we've gotten is older people who are chronic alcoholics who are starting to have, you know, all the stuff that old, that uh, Dimension older stuff. alcoholics get. They, get. they get liver damage. They get neuropathy. They get all kinds of things. But they're not going to live their life without some form of something. And so if we can get them off pills and booze and on to cannabis, it's a safer thing. They'll live better. They'll live longer. They'll live healthier. Um, is that is that the biggest to, is that the biggest population so far? Uh, older so alcoholics far, yes. so far. So it's not uh, Grateful Dead and fish T-shirts and Bob Marley posters. It's not. It's like um, older ladies who like uh, Valium and Pinot Grigio. Is what, it, what really it, now, so, did, Joe? Did you expect yeah. that before you opened? No, not in the least. I thought it was going to be burnout kids with skateboards who'd been to rehab twelve times, and their exacerbated parents were like, "Fine, if they smoke pot, we'll take it because right. we're so sick of this." That's what I thought it was going to be. It's not. It's been that, and then we have we have uh, you know our pro bono thing is vets, so we have a combat vet who. Believe me, you want this guy on something. You know, he, right. he can't drink and he can't take pills, but you definitely need, he needs he needs something. He's better off. Everybody's going to be better off. Right. So, I mean, I I, I want to I want to just throw it out there because I got to say it is that I think I know for Dave um, probably. I mean, you can comment on this. And for me, this would not work for me because it's you know it's a gas burner one thing and it, it ignites it. I do yeah. believe that there might be people out there that it does work for. And um, I guess I'm just curious that before you opened the rehab, was that something you saw a lot or just a few times? Uh, people that it did work for? Yes. No, I saw it a lot. I mean, I've seen a lot of heroin addicts been able to maintain and replace with cannabis, and I've seen some chronic alcoholics be able to do it. Not everybody is a viable candidate. Everybody has to be vetted by the psychiatrist. And Dr. Bienenfeld, who you know, Chris, yeah. um, you know, one of his big concerns is is schizoaffective disorders, whether it's schizophrenia or right. more mild form. He's not really into those people using cannabis. So not everybody is going to be a candidate for this kind of thing. Yeah, they're showing uh, long-term chronic marijuana users. It's like the chances of being schizoaffective or schizo is uh, it's like 1%. But if you smoke weed all the time, it goes to 3%, which doesn't sound yeah. like a lot, but that's a jump by several hundred percent, you know? No, it's a big thing. Yeah. I mean, I'm not in any way, shape, or form trying to say, hey, I finally figured out the addiction problem, smoke weed. Yeah. Not it's, at all. It's funny. No, I, when, when I, I don't think that that's the right thing for everybody. When I went to treatment for the for years ago, I went to Renaissance. Um, I was a great, a, a fantastic stoner in my day, and it all went uh, downhill, and I became a horrible uh, you know, intravenous heroin addict. And I remember I went to Renaissance and they asked me to write the letter uh, to the to the substance, 
and I'm writing a letter to heroin, and I'm like, you whore, you took me away from my beautiful girlfriend, weed, and you replaced it with you, murderous whore, you know. And I always wanted to get back to, to smoking bud. And, um, and when I met Chris, you know, I was full board into sobriety, and I made it 18 months, and then uh, Hurricane uh, Sandy happened, and I was with some woman who smoked weed, and I broke down and I smoked weed, and I said to myself, I'm just going to smoke weed because I love it. Um, uh-huh. A year later, I started taking the occasional Clonopin or Xanax, and it never escalated to full-on heroin addiction again, but little right. stuff kept slipping through. And, and for me, you know, I love weed. Uh, but I just know that like it's too slippery a slope. I I love being abstinent now. Like I'm into it. I smoked enough weed, you know, basically. But if I checked into your rehab, I'd want that really purple bud. If, you know, do you have the you really know, purple the bud? Doctor said you could have it. Uh, you could go to the dispensary with with support staff, and you could get it. Or the dispensary comes to us. You know, they come to us and they talk to people about various strains and this and that. I mean, I'm at a point where it's like, well, what can't it do? Because people in California are a little loony with it. They think it can do pretty much cure anything. (laughs) I don't think that in the least. The other thing I think is that if you're somebody who replaces, um, they could give up weed too at a later time. Exactly. It's a step down. In six months. He's saying, Joe's, your big thing is it can be an exit drug. It can be, it's a gateway, and then it also could be an exit drug. Well, I do think it can be an exit drug, and I'm not convinced it's a gateway drug. I know that everybody says that, but there are so many people, and, you know, you being a grad student, Chris, you read the data. There are millions of people who try marijuana and never smoke it again, and there are millions more who drink or who uh, smoke it recreationally or occasionally. They're not impaired. They don't all become heroin addicts and so when people are like well everyone who used who who uses heroin started with weed they started with tobacco or nicotine they started with alcohol they also all had peanut butter and jelly in second grade so (laughs) there's not a lot of evidence to suggest that one leads to the other there's way more evidence that pills percocet and all that will lead to heroin of course but my thing is um yeah, it can be an exit drug for sure. People who are on pills can – you could spend six months as a cannabis user and then say, hey, my job at Guitar Center sucks. I want a better job. <laughs> give up the cannabis too. Maybe you can give up your weed yeah. at that point. And not to mention like I'm not going to sit here and say that you can't smoke weed and do better than Guitar Center. You know, that's possible, too. There are people who do, for but, sure. But then the real, the real question I have is what has the, the, the general response been? Yeah, what, what's the reception been like overall and then with, within people in the uh, treatment community? The treatment community, I've been called everything from a drug dealer to this is a money-making scheme to I'm the new um, passages guy that tells people he has a cure. I do like that this comes from guys that run $60,000 a month Malibu rehabs. <laughs> so, you know, those guys who want to call out a money-making so, scheme. So they're not keeping you up at night with their insults? Uh, no, they're not. Um, well, has anybody ever kept you up at night with their insults? That's a better question. No, no. <laughs> no, seriously, I mean, Joe, fun. Joe. Look, I understand people hold that very close. You know, there's been a lot of comments about, oh, well, do they, can you hot box in the 
the van on the way to meetings like no mm-hmm. you can't do that um so no you can't hot box on the way to meetings everybody who's listening who wants yeah. to go okay <laughs> right i mean so so there's been a lot of there's been a lot of grenade launching there's a lot of and i understand people hold abstinence to be very dear and you know in, in a religious kind of fervor um and so that's okay i think who's been supportive or who has has been Medical professionals, doctors, right? Nurse practitioners have said, oh, yeah, this is great. Keep those fuckers from uh, overdosing out of my ER. Sure. Um, They're not going to overdose on on weed. Those people, people who have felt that the rehab system or the current forced uh, abstinence system has failed them or their, their child or spouse or whatever. So those people have been in favor of it. Who's really opposed to it are twelve-step advocates and treatment center operators. Right. Can I so, can I ask another question just about the nuts and bolts? And I'm not making a joke. I'm just really curious. Sure. If you if you get okay, you're in treatment. Let's. And, um, is there anybody like any opiate addicts in there? Not, not yet. Uh, no, there is. We okay. Have an opiate. Yeah. So you're an opiate addict, and you wake up, and you get to your dose of marijuana in the morning? It depends on where they are. So if they're detoxed already, and it depends on the doctor. So that's one option, the way that you would get any other medication twice a day. So that might be an edible. And then, you know, for bedtime, it might actually be burned flour before bed. But you're not, you're not hanging out uh, in the smoking section, smoking big joints and listening to reggae music. No. It's not like, no, <clears throat> and I'm not no. joking, it's not like a lifestyle thing where you just go there no, and you get fact, to smoke pot. It's actually pretty rigorous treatment. There is, everybody has to have a movement practice of some kind, so they spend a lot of time at the gym, whether that's with yoga, weightlifting, cardiovascular. There's some pretty intense clinical groups. Um, they, Joe, will you share who was uh, possibly going to do the exercise group, or did that fall through? Oh, Cheech. It was Cheech? Or Chong. Was it Cheech or was it Chong? I can't remember. (laughs) Well, one of them, I think it's Cheech is really into this. Cheech is big time, Joe. He was on Nash Bridges. Then it's Chong. Okay. He just went to jail for selling bongs. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So uh, he's into yoga and he's into a bunch of different things. So he's really into this. Um, but you know, they, they know, I mean, it's, it's effectively, look, it's very collaborative type treatment. You know, I want to know, and all the clinical staff, the question is, well, what are your goals? Right. Mm. Um, if your goal is do drugs with impunity and not have my parents be mad at me. Okay. That's not a realistic goal. (laughs) So, but you know, trying to beat people into AA or into that abstinence modality if they don't want to go or if it hasn't worked for them, it doesn't seem, it doesn't really even seem compassionate to me. No, it seems awesome, especially in the state of uh, legalization, decriminalization, recreational using. It's a possibility and it's a way to get more evidence. Not to mention, it's my greatest fantasy rehab. This is. I used to fantasize about this place. I used to sit in rehab and say, "Well, why can't we just have a rehab where I can smoke a little weed?" I mean, this is it. 
you know, and, and, and well, look, I mean, I'm, I'm nothing if not honest. That's why it's called high sobriety. I mean, people who will tell you, oh, well, it's medicinal. Okay. There might be some symptomatic care. Yes. They're getting high. I'm not going to lie about it. They're getting high. They're not getting high in a way that's going to kill them. And they're in a controlled environment and there is, um, expectations and boundaries around it. But it isn't a, uh, you know, it's certainly not a free-for-all. I mean, I think that that's probably what I'm, I'm battling most is people think we turn on Pink Floyd and give out weed and call it, it rehab. That was my next question. <laughs> Can you listen to Pink Floyd whenever you want or just, just in certain <laughs> listening moments? Just in certain, like, no, there's no Pink Floyd in groups. Okay. Um, there's no Pink Floyd in individual sessions. There's no Pink Floyd. But after, sure, you want to listen to Pink Floyd? I'm not opposed to Floyd. I like Floyd. And uh, one other thing is, if there's anybody, I think there's people who are going to be interested in this, uh, in the Dopey Nation, whether or not going there or just, you know, they're going to investigate it. So they can check yeah. out the website, highsobriety.com. Um, but you're also looking high sobriety treatment, high sobriety treatment.com, high sobriety treatment.com. And then you're also looking for people if they want to send you a piece or something like that. How do they do that? What kind of piece? They can send it to me, Joe at high sobriety treatment.com. And I'm open to anything. I have a collaborative blog to the treatment center. So if you want to tell me that this is bullshit and I'm a, I'm a, whatever, a drug pusher. I'm happy to hear from those people. I'm also happy to hear from people who say, look, I mean, I've already heard from a bunch of people that say, look, I'm afraid to say it in my AA meeting, but you know, I smoke a little pot now and then, but I haven't been drinking, you know? And then to me, it's like, okay, good. Good for you. Good. If, you know, if that's, if that's, uh, if that's helpful to you, um, I think that the most surprising thing is how it can help older people. I don't see the value of somebody who has a history of abusing drugs, even if they have a period of sobriety for 20 plus years or whatever, I don't see the value of giving them narcotics for symptomatic care when they can use this because, you know, I'm 47 and I'm every night. It's like, shit, did I take my pills? (laughs) Shit. I can't remember. So I can imagine being 67 and deciding I didn't and just keep taking more, you know? (laughs) So I think it's way better to have something that isn't going to harm people um, for aches and pains and arthritis and, you know, those kinds of things rather than pills because more pills, more overdoses. It's just how it is. Did you move to California? Um, well, I'm in denial about that, Dave. I don't, I don't love being here, but what I'm telling myself is I'm here on a project. So we'll see how it goes. So but, you're, you're you know, in Southern California right now. I am. I'm in Los Angeles. I'm an East coast guy though. You know, I do like, it's, it's okay. It's, it hasn't been, it hasn't been bad, um, but I miss New York, you know. I'm sure. Certainly miss bagels and pizza and, and Chris. And pies and thighs. Pies and thighs. Oh, yeah. Yes. Pies and sure. thighs is good. <laughs> Joe, it's great yep. to hear you, man. I, I, I mean, like, for me, I'm, I'm fearful of, um, of weed for myself. You know what I mean? I, I can't smoke pot, and I love pot. But I think whatever yeah. you're doing that's helping people, Mazel Tov, and if it's well, successful. Look, that's the other thing is I don't want to tell people who are doing well. And just to give you some context, I have a sponsee, this young guy. He's 20 years old, and he's like, I really want to do this right, and okay. And, you know, he's been good about going to meetings. He hasn't been drinking. We've been writing out steps. I'm not going to say, oh, fuck all that. Just smoke pot. Right. You yeah. know, that's not who this is for. And if you're doing well, Dave, 
with abstinence, I wouldn't recommend that you smoke pot. <laughs> I would say, yeah. look, you're doing well, keep doing it. If you had been in, if you were coming to me saying, I've been in, I just got out of my sixth rehab, I lasted two days before I started snorting heroin, I might say, well, okay, why don't we try this? Right, yeah. right. No, so, and, and we have a ton of listeners who are on the fence. we got a friend right now, literally. Uh, <laughs> I don't think he likes weed, though. Yeah, no, he does, but. I don't know. You don't think this is for him? No, I don't think it's for him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, well, look, I mean, that's the thing that we hear from alcoholics. I don't like weed. But the truth is, if you can't have the girl of your dreams, you might take what you can get. <laughs> and so if you if you can't have uh, your bottle of scotch, you, you, you might you might smoke a little a little of the the purple. Oh, that purple. And it, you know, the most amazing thing about the purple, bud, is that when you smoke it, it tastes purple. <laughs> it's it's remarkable that something well, can like taste... Grape soda? No, it just tastes purple. I, I can't I even put it okay. in another way. And I'm not talking about bud called purple Urkel or purple haze. I'm talking about... Purple Urkel. Or, I'm talking about actual... Really deep purple nuggets. Yes. The tips of the nuggets that you look at it and it's totally purple. You're speaking Chinese to me. Dude, you can't imagine a nugget that's purple? We're having, we're having a strain developed for symptomatic care for with, withdrawal, nausea, insomnia, those kinds of things. It's called Smackdown. Smackdown. So, nice. So yeah. you should cross it with something that's really purple because purple well, blood is the best. called something like purple dragon or green lizard monster you know there was some names like this so, so i'm like look you guys got to develop me smackdown right you're coming off dope you're shooting heroin you're irritable you have aches and you have bone pain all the stuff so that's what this is for so that would be what an indica then right yeah <laughs> the hybrids are the best because they hit you in the high yeah. and the low at the yeah. same time hmm. they hit you in both spots um all right, Joe. Well, thank you for calling in. This is going to go up. I'll text you, but this is going to go up immediately because we're running behind for, for Dopey. Usually there's a delay, but it should be up really? in an hour. Wow. It's going to be up like right now. Yeah. But I you want you to... You have a backlog. You need some inventory. Yeah, we're fucked. We're supposed to air one last night, but I haven't seen Dave in over three weeks. So we... Uh, okay. Yeah. But you want to uh, say anything? I'm I love hearing um, insults. And so uh, it would say, your email, say your email address again. Joe at HighSobrietyTreatment.com. Okay. Hold on, I'm not done yet. I'm not done with him yet. Um, why did you decide to give us the scoop? I heard you like you laid the smack down on the LA Weekly and you wouldn't give them a quote. <laughs> I love that <laughs> shit. Well, because um, there are a couple of stories. There's one coming out in The Guardian. There's one coming out in The New York Times. All right. Uh, but I haven't been, you know, I mean, look, I, podcasts for how many listeners do you have? We have we have seventy nine thousand downloads, we, but each episode gets about fifteen hundred now. So we have fifteen hundred okay, so dedicated listeners. Yeah, the the New York Times is not going to be upset with me about <laughs> uh, a fifteen hundred listener podcast. So um, that's the exact opposite reason I was looking for Joe. I was I was hoping you'd say do, you love dopey. You feel like it's helpful to the dopey nation. Do you know how many recovery podcasts I could do? Right, and you choose Dopey. And you are the one, so you are the premier thing. And I actually, look, I do love this, and I do love your show, and I, I do download it, and I think it's great. And I'm very happy to give you guys the thing. 
but in all practical terms, the guy at the New York Times, I mean, they're like, don't talk to anyone. Don't talk to anyone. Especially not Dopey like, Podcast. I heard they're on the up and come. And then I was up-and-come. like, well, but what about, and they're like, oh, that's fine. Go ahead. <laughs> so you're saying that the New York Times knows about us now, though. They said, if you're on Dopey, we can live with that. But not on that sober guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, in fact, I will email this to the reporter. Oh, awesome. Please do. That's great. You never know. He's yeah. really into recovery. Like he's really into the whole thing. And his, 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 this story that's coming out isn't necessarily a profile of me. It's about what, what's wrong with rehab? Why doesn't it work? Why and, is it so, and what are people doing about it? So, and the whole format of our show, Joe, is there's, there's 20 recovery centric, uh, one day at a time, live and let live style right. podcasts. And that's not what we're about. Although we did no, get no, sober I, that way through the steps, but we're not that washed out cliched you know bullshit we just want to see people have nice lives yeah. that's it and, and that's why i like what you're doing and i and i really believe right. and that's look that's honestly what i want i want people to live the life they want to live safely you know if i mean i want everybody to be sober and i want everybody to live abstinence and and but not you know they don't necessarily ask me what i want so mm. you know it matters what they want and if what they want is this then okay then we can help people get that i think i've reached a point in my career where the question is do i want to help or do i want to argue and i'm tired of arguing right of arguing with 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 addicts to be abstinent and live a 12-step life and 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 there's there's as much research that says harm reduction is helpful as there is that says abstinence is helpful or they're both helpful they're both helpful a lot of you know, yes, and, and harm reduction is incredibly helpful, and abstinence is incredibly helpful. So there isn't. It's that's the thing is that I don't feel this adversarial thing of I'm right. going to prove abstinence people wrong. I think we're both right, and I think there's room. But that, know, there's room for an expanded definition of recovery. That's real too. It's funny. I was at a meeting the other day, and I was like coming off of some like domestic fights and stuff, and I heard some old Long Island uh, alcoholic say. Um, it's better to be happy than to be right. You don't need to fight about everything, which sounds like it's what you just heard um, or just said. And it's like yeah. it's like a, it's such a good deal, you know, to be able to do that. And uh, but we'll get off. Chris is nervous yeah. about the time. That's okay. Look, I, I and we will. And anytime you guys want to get on my Facebook and help me out, I love how people are like, "Well, I agree with you." I'm like, "Really?" Then feel free to get on Facebook and tell me because. <laughs> We'll advocate. We'll help out. We'll advocate for you. All right. And have a good one. And and thank you. Take care. Thanks, Joe. Bye. Uh, Wait, wait. Um, Just let it keep going. I'm going to pause it. No, because it's going to be a pain in the ass for me to air it. So I don't want to pause it. Let's just wrap it up. I want to. Yeah, but let's wrap up the episode. All right. We're still talking. Are you going to cut this out? No, I'm going to leave it all in there. Why? Dave wanted to pause it, but we're going to air this immediately, and it's a total pain in the oh, ass I understand for me what you're to saying. edit it if okay. you pause it and chunk it. So um, I want you to do um, – I want to. We don't even have to do any – let's just tell them we'll do reviews and emails next time, you know, and we'll wrap this up right now. All right. Check out Joe's thing at – what is uh, it? HighSobrietyTreatment.com, or you can email Joe directly at Joe at HighSobriety.com, or look him up uh, on Facebook. He's, like, very communi- communicative – uh, Joe Shrank, that's S-C-H-R-A-N-K. 
um, or just Google him. You can see him. He talks about addiction on the news all the time. And um, but also cool, interesting stuff. We didn't mention it, but our website is up. Our website, dopeypodcast.com. Visit our website. Send us an email. Write us a review. Follow us on Instagram, what Facebook, Facebook, all that shit. Just get involved. If you get listen involved. to Dopey religiously, let us know about it. Yeah, and then like we can set up something better. Yeah. But um, and I'd love to hear what you think about this whole thing. With uh, harm I wish reduction. we got Joe on there quickly instead of me rambling on and on for 30 minutes, you know? But it's what's good the, we got him. What's the difference? I wanted to, to, to do high sobriety right off the bat. So why didn't we do that? Because I'm an idiot. I just think it's always good to do... I wanted to do 20 minutes and then do it, but who? should we did 30 minutes? Who cares? Uh, cool. Anyways, thank you for tuning in. Thanks for listening. And toodles. What's wrong with you? What you look mean? like a fucking psycho killer right now. What's wrong Bro, with you? we got two more to record. Don't say that. <laughs> Good night. Stay strong, Dopey Nation. We'll speak to you soon. Toodles. You don't have to say toodles every episode. I want to take a walk around the world. Wonder would it do me any good Until I get some money in my pocket Then I guess I'll just have to walk around my neighborhood But I want to be good so bad want to be so good, so bad, so bad I want to be good so bad Bad desire's all I ever had I want to take a ride up in the sky Watch this airplane just pass me by And I want to see a Lear jetliner take a dive Just to show all of these people what it means to be alive But I want to be good so bad Want to be so good, so bad, so bad I want to be good so bad Bad desires all I ever had.